night, Carol. After you. All right. Espionage dress rehearsal. Yeah, the investigation into the handling of classified documents by former President Donald Trump and his aides has revealed new details that raise concerns about the potential violations of the Espionage Act and obstruction of justice. The timing of events has come under scrutiny as two of Trump's employees reportedly moved boxes of papers the day before FBI agents and a prosecutor visited his Florida home to retrieve classified documents Carol. in response to a subpoena. Oh, that is <laughs> that is that does not look good. I assume that those visits were scheduled. You seem to be shocked by this recent development. They were like, oh, the FBI is coming tomorrow. We might want to move these fucking boxes. So they knew they were, this was a planned visit and, and they moved them the day before. That's Uh, seems. Yes. seems very sketchy there, Carol. Seems like some fucking intent Mm. to me. Um, Yeah. So investigators view this (laughs) time. (laughs) <laughs> I think I'm being so clever. Here's the investigator. Investigators view this timing as suspicious <laughs> and possibly indicative of obstruction. Additionally, sources familiar with the matter claim that Trump and his aides conducted a quote dress rehearsal for moving sensitive papers even before receiving the subpoena in May 2022. So these motherfuckers are sitting around practicing <laughs> hiding documents. <laughs> It's they're, like a sketchy restaurant. Like they're, they're planning it. They're like running through it. Like, you know, like the dress rehearsal for a wedding. Like, here's the plan. Here's how we're going to get the fucking documents here, here and here. Uh, should anyone come looking? It's insane. They're going to prison. Oh, and just, it, and just, just buckle in folks. This is going to be a doozy. Just, uh, just strap on as Carol would say. Um, I would <laughs> typically go with strap, as strap he in. Would say. Uh, yeah. yeah, uh, just, just, just hang with Said us. Once. once we, once you finish listening to this podcast, you're like, holy fuck, how are they not in prison already? All right, continue. Yeah. So prosecutors have gathered evidence suggesting that Trump sometimes kept classified documents in his office where they were visible and even showed them to others. These actions could potentially constitute disclosures of classified information and national defense materials to unauthorized individuals which would be a violation of the Espionage Act. Um, the investigation's scope has extended to include broader timeline of possible obstruction episodes, ranging from events at Mar-a-Lago prior to the subpoena to the period following the FBI search on August 8th. <laughs> They're not just looking at obstruction from the day that they sent the subpoena. They're looking at a possible planning before the subpoena was even sent to obstruct the investigation. So they just got a lot on their plate there. Uh, this, and, and if you're wondering, like, God damn, Jack Smith, what's taking you so long? Well, every time they fucking investigate something, they f- discover more crimes. Then you have to collect more evidence. Right. And then you have to crime fraud, except all of Trump's lawyers and get them to fucking come in and testify, or turn them into witnesses. The time on. Timeline of events is crucial in determining Trump's intent in retaining hundreds of classified documents after leaving the White House. This intent is a key factor in deciding whether charges will be filed, potentially for obstruction, mishandling national security secrets, or both. Spoiler alert, Carol, it's going to be both. Yeah, you can. Yeah, it seems like both. I guess I jumped ahead of myself and uh, made oversimplified my analysis before, but I guess I was on track. Ha ha. Take that <laughs> basic law school stuff. Carol, okay. it's almost like you've been doing this for a year or something. Yeah. 
Um, the precise timing of activities related to moving the boxes of documents, particularly after the subpoena was received, is an important element in the investigation. Grand jury activity has slowed in recent weeks, and Trump's attorneys have taken steps that suggest they believe a charging decision is imminent. They've outlined Trump's potential defense to members of Congress and sought a meeting with the attorney general. They literally wrote up a letter to the attorney general, like begging him, begging him, crying. No, it sounded like a Trump tweet. Like he's his lawyers have have deteriorated to that level where they'll just like let him write a demand letter. I mean, I guess we could read. Didn't it sound like that? It was like this outrageous, like abuse of the justice system that has never before been seen (laughs) (laughs) oh okay i'll put up on many levels and many 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 demand letters it 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 was pretty bad it was like all right here here it goes no because supposedly the lawyers drafted this letter and sent it to garland but i'm going to read it in trump's voice so you'll kind of get an understanding of what it is we, we were dealing with with this fucking insane bonkers letter. No, no president of the United States has ever in the history of our country been basically investigated in such an outrageous and unlawful fashion. Um, that was like supposedly words from John Raleigh and James Trusty. Uh, but once you hear it in the Trump voice, uh, you can clearly understand that Trump absolutely had to dictate this thing. Um, they also requested a meeting with Garland. At your earliest convenience to discuss the ongoing injustice that is being perpetrated by your special counsel and its prosecutors. Yeah. So, you know, Trump wrote that <laughs> shit. Um, and they're like, Oh, you know, can't absolutely can't indict Trump because he didn't do anything wrong, blah, blah, blah. Um, and this is like caring at, at the max level, like going straight to the attorney general for an investigation that he's no longer overseeing. It was just like whining to the, I, I, I don't. Anyway, yes. <laughs> Even Trump's lawyers are like, damn, this indictment's about to come. So I'm fairly sure that if they're scared that indictments are coming soon. Um, and it just be- makes me wonder about what you said that Fonnie Willis was pointing to August, but his uh, also the New York suit is supposed to be in March of next year or something like that. Yes. So I wonder if they're planning on having the federal suit first, if, it's imi- if the charges are imminent. I would imagine that... What's happening in Georgia and what's happening in New York and what's happening at DOJ is all happening independent of each other. It would seem I can't imagine a scenario where the three the three departments are like coordinating on who's filing charges when. I mean, it just seems to make sense that New York went first because the the set of crimes that they charged Trump for were the oldest. And yeah, but they couldn't get a trial date for like eight months. Well, if Trump's team had wanted a trial sooner than that, I'm sure under the um, speedy trial clause, they absolutely could have had a trial in a few weeks, if not a month. Um, but considering like the documents case is fairly complicated and take time to uh, establish a criminal defense in that trial. I and, you know. Just given Trump's nature to want to delay, delay, delay as long as possible, I can rather March of next year doesn't even seem that unreasonable of a timeline for New York. I actually assumed it would be even later than that. So that just 
putting my two cents in on there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't think Jack Smith's doing any coordination with um, with either of those departments. We're not getting any leaks out of yeah. the DOJ or the special counsel invasion. It's nice having a government who can like function without giving away the plot of, of what they're doing. Right. I mean, well, well, when I, so you read a news article or you're watching a fucking news segment, and they're like, "Oh, so, sources familiar with the investigation." That's like fucking witnesses or people who've been subpoenaed, or mm-hmm. you know, had to turn over documents who've been or who've been interviewed, or the fucking lawyers in the case, right? They're the ones painting the picture of what's going on inside the investigation because they're the ones being interviewed or subpoenaed by prosecutors. Or, you know, testifying before the grand jury. So they're they're giving you the information or at least some of the information that they gave them prosecutors. Anyway, um went off on yeah, a rabbit on. <laughs> rabbit hole there. Uh, yeah, so yeah. So during the negotiations over the return of the documents, Trump reportedly told a lead DOG official that they could request anything they needed. However, the DOG rejected this offer and proceeded with a raid of Mar a Lago. The National Archives and the DOJ had previously requested the return of any and all documents with classification markings, but Trump failed to comply even after receiving a lawful subpoena. So, by the way, let's not call this a raid. This was a lawful search that was Um, planned. (laughs) (laughs) I'm comfortable with it being called a raid. I don't give a fuck. Like, the... You can read the FBI manual. It refers to, an, you know, the execution of a search warrant um, as a raid. of a potentially, yeah, potentially right, hostile target as a raid. It's fine. I don't give a fuck. Anyway. Like, yeah. Anything. Yeah. The investigation is focused on particular incident on June 2nd when boxes of documents were moved into a storage area just before a senior Justice Department lawyer arrived at Mar-a-Lago with agents. On the following day, law enforcement officials visited to collect materials in response to the grand jury subpoena. One of the employees who moved the boxes claimed that they were merely helping Trump with Walt Nauta, who was using a dolly or hand truck for the task. I don't, I don't know. Trump ballot Walt Nauta. Okay, that's just a person's name. Yeah, Walt Nauta works for Trump, the Trump organization, and apparently he has been providing evidence or testimony to the grand jury um, about the actions that were taking place around this time of the FBI subpoena and what was going on with these boxes, like who was involved in moving them and when and where and why. And and we're going to eventually get to this um, about whether the security footage of um, the room where the documents were being held during this time, whether or not that was altered. Uh, They've also, anyway, we'll get to that. Yeah. So John Irving, a lawyer representing one of the employees involved in moving the boxes and not the esteemed author of fiction stated (laughs) that his clients did not not know the contents of the boxes and was simply assisting now to, this employee, a longtime Mar-a-Lago staff member, has cooperated with the government and does not consider their actions to be significant. However, right. there are concerns. <laughs> yeah, there are concerns about potential conflicts of interest. As Irving represents several witnesses in the investigation, and his law firm is being funded by Trump Save America PAC. Huh. Yeah. So before you move on, you're going. We're going. We're going to run into this common theme of lawyers representing witnesses in multiple Trump investigations 
Um, and those lawyers are being paid by Trump. Yeah. General yes. legal advice. Don't don't let uh, someone pay your legal fees if they're going to control or seemingly control the, the uh, legal. It's just a fact that don't do it. It's yeah. such a conflict of interest. Don't put yourself in a conflict of interest like that. Oh Absolutely. God. I phrased it poorly, but you, no, you can have a lawyer who normally would be operating in your best interest, but if he's being paid by the subject of the criminal investigation that you're a potential witness in, uh, that lawyer has a dual obligation at that point. Do Does he provide you with the best legal defense or... Yeah, he can't he can't perform his legal obligations. No. Like, Does that person um, coach you to give testimony that's beneficial to the person that's paying him, even if it's not in your best interest? And that's that is one of the conflicts of interest we'll be regularly diving into. I mean, I feel like we've like covered any that. lawyer who would take that case with such a bad conflict of interest, like you shouldn't you should not hire them as your lawyer. No, that person should not represent you. And we've already had a previous instance of this recently in the Georgia investigation into. I don't want any lawyer who would have me for a client. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. Carol cut that up and put that in a commercial. (laughs) (laughs) Investigators are keen to gather any evidence indicating that Trump or individuals close to him deliberately withheld classified papers from the government. In another development, on the evening of June 2nd, the same day the boxes were moved, a lawyer for Trump contacted the Justice Department and offered access to classified documents related to the subpoena. Okay, Carol, tell him exactly what happened the next day. On on the second, they're like, let's move these boxes over here. All right. You got that so, done, guys? All right. Let's call up the feds so they can come take a look. And yeah, though, where everything's cool. We're good. Come check it out. Yeah. The next day, a sealed envelope containing 38 classified documents and a signed attestation of a diligent search were provided to the officials. Ooh. During their <laughs> visit, they were invited to the storage room where boxes of documents from Trump's presidency were stored but were not allowed to open or examine their contents. When FBI agents obtained a court order to search Mar-a-Lago two months later, they discovered over 100 additional classified documents. Ooh. Yeah, it's pretty bad. So not only are they like packing up the boxes and moving the things that they want to keep somewhere out of the sight of the FBI agents, they're like bringing them in. Like, here you go. Here's what we got. All clear. And then the FBI has to come back with a search warrant like, no, it's not. And (laughs) there's so much in there. Um, I would also like to just go back for a second to the part where Trump himself um, is accused of what we know for sure, because we saw the photos themselves of of Trump having possession of these particular some of these particular classified documents in his office where numerous people frequent. I mean, the idea that he would be showing them to people, it's not even out of the realm of possibility. He practically admitted it on national TV in the CNN town hall when he was asked, did he show them to anyone? And he was like, not really. It's what the fuck is not really. That's, that does, that's not, no, that's not, no. Yeah. 
when the and when the trial comes, I guarantee you, absolutely, uh, the prosecutors are going to cut that clip up <laughs> and show it at the trial. Trump, did you show any of the classified documents to anyone? It's like, yeah, not really. The fuck does that even mean? And I, we, <laughs> I talked about this in the rundown earlier. Like Jack Teixeira, who's definitely going to go to prison for a long time for his disclosure of classified documents in those discord channels. Um, if he's getting 20 years, Trump, I mean, yeah, just, yep. Just tack on an extra 20 for the espionage along with the instruction obstruction. All right. <sighs> Carol, this is going to be a good one. It's just going to pile on. The evidence just becomes more and more damning. Sorry, I was just No, I appreciate the soundtrack. Uh so what we have up next is Corkscrewed You. I'm sorry, it's terrible. Terrible pun. So compelling evidence suggests that Trump had knowledge of the subpoena obligations, or rather his subpoena obligations and examines whether his subsequent failure to comply was a deliberate act of obstruction. Like I said, tech on the 20 years of espionage to the obstruction charges. A previously undisclosed warning was given to Trump by his lawyer, Everin Corcoran, stating that he could not in any way retain any classified documents after being subpoenaed for their return front row. This warning carries significance in the criminal investigation as it demonstrates Trump's awareness of his obligation under the subpoena. In June of 2020, Corcoran discovered approximately 40 documents in the storage room that we talked about previously and informed the Justice Department that no further materials remained at the property despite the finding or the FBI finding over 100 documents after they executed that search warrant. Um, Jack Smith has recently focused on the reasons behind that non-compliance with the, the, with the subpoena and prosecutors have been particularly interested in Trump's valet, Walt Nada, who we discussed previously, who allegedly moved the boxes out of the storage room before and after the subpoena as captured on the surveillance footage obtained through the subpoena. Yep. Got you on tape, still in box. Craig, how'd you get fired on your day off? Uh, the article highlights Corcoran's detailed notes with Friday for anyone who hasn't seen that movie. Like, what have you doing, been doing? It's 30 years old. Uh, the evidence highlights Corcoran's detailed notes, which provide crucial information regarding Trump and Nada's involvement in the bot subpoena response. These notes, which prosecutors have reviewed and presented to the grand jury, outline the discussions between Corcoran and Trump, including specific details about the search for classified documents in Mar-a-Lago. Mar Furthermore, the notes reveal that Nada had offered to assist Corcoran in going through the boxes, but Corcoran declined and asked him to stay outside, which seems like a very prudent move by Trump's lawyer. Maybe not all of his lawyers are that terrible at lawyering. Uh, however, the search took longer than expected, lasting several days, which seems like a red flag <laughs> that you can't perform the search in a single 24-hour period. Uh, leading to concerns that the storage room may have been left unattended at times. And I would imagine that the surveillance footage could attest to that, whether or not. Unattended by who? The FBI who were searching it? Unattended or, by or Trump's Corcoran. legal team. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. I, back 
Which means I'm not, I'm not paying. I'm not just playing spelling bee in the background and zoning. <laughs> are you doing good at spelling bee? Like, what are the letters? Not really. I got well the the uh, the pangram is inhibitor, so they got those letters. Oh yeah, awesome. But I'm not doing that well. I'm just at nice, and I feel like I got all the words. <laughs> I'm not doing good. <laughs> all right. I if anyone wants. If anyone wants to help Carol complete her New York Times spelling bee, you can uh, go back in time and to help me out. Oh yeah, well I was gonna say you could tweet the the answers to her at at Carol Edwina on or however you pronounce that. I'm sorry, Edwina. Edwina, But um, you wouldn't know that E D W I N E. Yeah, it it does get confusing. The pronunciation not quite lining up with the spelling. Anyway, furthermore, uh. Corcoran's notes also describe Trump's facial expressions and reactions during discussions about the subpoenas. So these are super highly detailed notes. Uh, and the fact that Corcoran was taking such detailed notes reportedly irritated Trump, who learned about them only after they were subpoenaed. And of course, there's always that classic reference to the wire. Are you taking notes on a criminal fucking conspiracy? At least eat them afterward. <laughs> So constructing an obstruction case is challenging, requiring prosecutors to demonstrate the Trump arranged for an order to remove the boxes containing the classified documents, knowing they were demanded by the subpoena with the intention of concealing them from Corcoran search. Well, that was my fault for not having my computer muted. Do I get like fined for a dollar or something for that? For having interruptions during the podcast? All right. I'm all good. All right. You're good. You have an extra grilled cheese sandwich. I'd have a bite. But <laughs> I would love to share my grilled cheese sandwich with you. Although I'm currently like stuffy and dealing with some congestion and a little tickle in my throat. So you probably don't want. No, I'll eat. just take a bite first and then you can have the rest. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll take your germs. That's totally fine. Um, <clears throat> to address the gaps in surveillance footage where the documents were being stored, the special counsel recently subpoenaed Matthew Calamari Sr., uh, the Trump Organization Security Chief, and their Chief Operating Officer, as well as his son, Matthew Calamari Jr., the Director of Corporate Security. Their testimonies before the grand jury focused on a text message sent by Nauta to Calamari Sr. regarding the Justice Department's request for the tapes. Uh, prosecutors encountered difficulties with Nauta's cooperation leading them to explore other witnesses who could shed light on his role. In recent interviews, investigators sought information on whether or not to remove the boxes containing the documents during the time of the subpoena and where he took them. Who, Lord Jesus. Um, yeah, it appears Jack Smith is approaching this from every single possible angle. That man knows how to counsel, special counsel. He knows how to. On a case, it's hot. I've only seen that one picture of him where he looks like a Star Trek character. But <laughs> you mean <laughs> like in his in his arbitral robe or whatever with with the beard? I think he's since shaved, so you don't have to necessarily worry about that. He no longer looks like a character from a science fiction television show. Um, but yeah, so. I'm going to take a quick break, and after these messages, 
We'll be right back because I need something to drink because my throat is fucking scratchy as shit. All right. Yay. Oh, you were back real quick, so I won't go get a snack. (laughs) (laughs) You can go get a snack if you want. I probably shouldn't. It's probably 1230. No, go ahead and go munch. You deserve a snack. You are a snack. I said she she was a snack before when I said you needed a snack, and we made some dirty jokes about it, and I'll be right back. (laughs) Okay. This wasn't the best snack for me going next. It's a very sticky peanut butter sandwich. (laughs) It's very sticky. Mm. I need a snack. Uh, It's very... It was very sticky. Yeah. All right. Okay. I'll tell you something, kind of gross. I did have like some wings in there in the fridge that I forgot about. I don't know how long they've been in there. And when I went to check them, I was like, oh, they were a little moldy. I had to throw them away. It's gross. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. That sucks. Because I was like, oh, damn. I forgot I had wings. And then I looked at them and I was like, Ew, it's not just blue cheese, <laughs> extra blue cheese. <laughs> Yeah, there's all kinds of penicillin growing mm. on my fucking wings. So mm, that sounds like it's bad for business. <laughs> <laughs> Next section: <laughs> Federal prosecutors have also issued subpoenas for information about Trump's business dealings in foreign countries since he took office. Ooh, this is fun. Yeah, because if crime fraud <laughs> accepting his lawyer wasn't enough. And, you know, discovering that they were having a dress rehearsal for how to hide the boxes of documents from the FBI wasn't enough. <laughs> yeah, and enter Saudi Arabia. All right. The subpoena drafted by special counsel Jack Smith targets the Trump organization and focuses on real estate licensing and development deals in seven countries. China, France, Turkey, Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, and the United Arab Emirates and Oman. Carol, before you move on, mm-hmm. why perhaps might the Department of Justice being <laughs> investigating Trump's willful retention of classified documents also be scrutinizing his his business relationships? Well, gee, me? I would hope I would hate to think that those two things might be connected, <laughs> but um, I would think that a business that's otherwise unprofitable. <laughs> And suddenly is able to get all of these deals in countries that are not, except for France. What the fuck, France? Hey. <laughs> Fran- Fran- in countries that are not friendly to the U.S. necessarily or are, but have like questionable human rights shit that I wish we weren't that involved. Um, well, France is going more right wing than they've ever been. So it's not entirely out of the question that in some ways France is not our friend. But yes, it would. Um, I guess if I had to speculate, what non-reckless speculation say that um, you know he he would possibly be negotiating national secrets in exchange for helping to keep his shit hotel brand alive. Man, his fucking golf courses from imploding. Um, those things Indeed. are fucking expensive to run. I mean, it's difficult to make money off those. I don't, I don't understand. Anyway. The continue. world is his Ponzi scheme. That's what we've all <laughs> And it just never ends. Carol, if if our stupid podcast didn't have such whack titles that begin, begin with pardon everything, the world is his Ponzi scheme would be an amazing podcast title. <laughs> well, you could name the episode that. Um, or not. 
It appears that the investigation is expanding its scope as prosecutors scrutinize whether Trump broke the law by taking sensitive government materials with him upon leaving the White House and failing to fully comply with demands for their return. Yeah. Um, Despite Trump's promise, promise to abstain from foreign deals during his presidency, he made an exception for Saudi based real estate company licensing his name for a housing hotel and golf complex in Oman just before his third presidential campaign. Announcing. Right. Just before announcing his third presidential campaign, English is hard when no, it's no, I was just English. <laughs> no, I was just going to get getting you to say it again so I could cut it up and fix Anyway, <laughs> the, the wait, wait, wait also a Hold what? on. Wait, I can't let that slide what you just said, because Trump took all kinds of fucking foreign money while he was in the fucking White House. Like all kinds of foreign governments was spending money in his goddamn businesses every single fucking day. Staying at his yeah, hotel. But I'm not going to take a salary. Shit. Oh, my God. He's such a he's such a. Paying hundreds of thousands of dollars for membership in his fucking yeah, his fucking golf clubs, like charging for the Secret Service members to stay. Anyway, yeah, I mean, they were fucking dumping money into his businesses all over the place. He just didn't make any real estate deals. Any, any I'm sorry, continue. I was, I'm just irate at the idea that like Trump keeping his problem. Get the fuck yeah. out of here. Everything's fucked on him. The subpoena also includes records related to Trump's involvement with Live Golf, a Saudi-backed golf venture that holds tournaments at some of his golf clubs. Yeah, Live Golf, again, for those of you not familiar with like what the Saudis are doing, it's sports washing. Like, if you don't know what that is, hit the Google button again, like just Google everything. Like sports washing, Live Golf, pull that up, dive in, have at it. This podcast is already too fucking long. We don't have time to just dive into these things. All right, continue. Yeah. Yeah, by demanding these records, prosecutors seem to be exploring possible connections between Trump's foreign business deals and the classified documents he took with him after leaving office. Yeah. You know, and also they should probably explore the relationship between Jared Kushner and the Saudis, given that they've presented him with the two billion dollar investment fund. That he's, he's probably quite- their chief witness. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's entirely possible that he had some role in helping them murder Jamal Khashoggi. Khashoggi. Uh, as well as, uh, I don't know, helping them round up members of the Saudi royal family in a power grab a few years back. So, uh, yeah, might want to investigate that, too. Just saying, come on, Jack Smith, I know your plate is full, but. Yeah, I don't. It's weird we don't hear more about him unless he's a cooperating witness. But then we'll still hear, hopefully hear. Do you listen to our podcast? Do we have time to talk about Jerry Kushner? Uh, <laughs> Every- fine. <laughs> We we do this and we don't have <laughs> Furthermore, government documents related to Middle Eastern countries were discovered in Trump's possession. And during an FBI search at Mar-a-Lago, materials linked to President Emmanuel Macron of France were recovered. It remains unclear why Trump retained these documents. Trump has argued that the documents were his personal property, citing the Presidential Records Act as justification for taking them. No, I'm sorry. I apologize for that. I don't know what happened there. All right. So Trump has argued that the documents were his personal property, but the Presidential Records Act makes very clear that Trump was not authorized to retain any of those documents, classified or otherwise, 
once he was no longer the president, we had this well, problem. Yeah, that's why uh, that's why it's problematic that he received the advice from Tom Fenton, the head of conservative <laughs> group Judicial Watch, who wrongly suggested that the documents belong to Trump. Now, I would like to remind the listeners, as I've reminded Tom Fenton many times, that he is in no way, shape or form a lawyer. Um, <laughs> why is he Trump's lawyer? He's just like some asshole. I, like, uh, I mean, I'm just some asshole who passed the bar, but like, he didn't even do that. Probably because he couldn't pass the character assessment, but who knows? Speculation. I'm just asking questions. So he's acting as Trump's advisor, right? Not like a legal representative. I, I, no, I, but I why are you taking advice from this jerk? Like, whatever. Well, anyway, because Trump is an insane sociopath who wants people to tell him it's okay to do the things that, that he wants to do, and Tom Fitton does that. Yeah, um, he's a yes man. Too small. Anyway, while establishing a motive <laughs> for keeping these documents <laughs> might assist as the investigation, it is not necessarily required to prove potential crimes. The government's focus has been on whether Trump willfully held national defense secrets and obstructed their repeated attempts to retrieve the materials. Man, we don't talk. Man, there's so much to talk about, but the podcast is just, it's already entirely too long. And I apologize for, we, we regularly have this issue. There's so much to get to, and there's so much more that I want to talk about. But time constraints, um, we just can't get into every little minor detail. But a few of the things we, we just, to recap, uh, one of the issues with the documents, um, and, and one of Trump's potential defenses probably doesn't even matter because one of the statutes uh, Jack Smith quoted it doesn't require the documents to actually be classified in the case of bringing espionage charges. Right. Like if it's national defense secrets, whether they've been classified or declassified, uh, willful retention of those when you're not um, authorized to retain them. It's the clear cut violation. Um, also sharing those documents with other people like that's just <laughs> you can't it's a it's a big no-no big no-no um, another thing uh, this idea that Trump declassified the documents if if the FBI wants to attack that premise the fact that the documents still had their classification markings on them when they were retrieved by the FBI is probably a fairly clear-cut signal that they weren't declassified because as the process goes yeah you at least have to tear off the cover page i mean that's how it works <laughs> no at the tom fitton school of law <laughs> the process by which the documents are declassified uh means that the the classification markings are removed from you at from least the- have to cross it out with a sharpie Nice. I learned that at Trump University. It's a little more in depth than that, for sure. And then the agencies who have the jurisdiction over the documents usually are involved in that process. There's usually some record. But anyway, anyway, that's uh, just just to point out a few of the holes that uh, Trump's defenses fail to address in like some potential pitfalls that he'll be facing when these charges do come we've covered a lot here it's been a lot going on in the past week the last week being three years years (laughs) we're learning all this information but we're also learning that the grand jury hasn't had they haven't been involved in in much investigative activity here lately 
Um, and that is probably as clear a sign as any will get that indictments are forthcoming. I mean, the lawyers have been crime fraud accepted. They've gotten all kinds of surveillance, surveillance footage. They've gotten testimony from Trump's uh, head of security and his, so they got, they've gotten cooperation from witnesses who were involved in moving the boxes around and back and forth and to Trump's office. I mean, apparently Nada was involved in loading up an SUV during the summer with what could have potentially been boxes of classified information, uh, for Trump's, uh, yearly summer excursion to Bedminster, New Jersey. We watched them stealing it all on live TV. <laughs> well, we watched them pack the shit up and take it down to Florida. But apparently after that, it's entirely possible that they packed the shit up and took it to New Jersey. Um, and, and I talked about this once on the podcast, like uh, my Mar- peanut butter looks like a bird. Ooh, you, licked, like, you licked it clean, Carol. No, I used my oh. finger. But- Ooh, that's even hotter. Peanut butter fingers. That's what they'll call me when someone tries to run, when I run against someone and they're like, Carol ate something with peanut butter. And I'll be like, (laughs) oh, for Carol. (laughs) Carol, did you lick the sticky stuff off his fingers? Um, Anyway, you know, I talked about this previously on another episode of the podcast. The idea that like Mar-a-Lago is Trump's winter home. What the fuck does he do in the summertime? He travels across the country to New Jersey. And like, it's not an, it's not an insane idea that Trump might have packed up a number of these documents, especially the ones he found to be the most valuable in, in taking them off to New Jersey to safeguard them or, you know, considering Look, you say it's of- not insane. But when it comes to things Trump has done, I'm willing to suspend disbelief on almost anything. <laughs> OK, point taken, Carol. <laughs> what I am certain of is that now that Jack Smith has been appointed special prosecutor and his team has been very aggressive in the ways and means by which they go about investigating Trump's handling of classified documents, uh, that if they believe that there were documents at Bedminster currently, if they had evidence of that, that they would have already executed a search warrant there. And and I'm not saying they're not infallible. I'm just saying that if they thought that they had the evidence of that, that they would execute a search warrant. So you can probably infer that because that hasn't taken place, they don't have any eyewitness accounts or any surveillance footage that they might have received when they subpoenaed um, the security company for the footage in Mar-a-Lago that would suggest Bidminster was a place that currently contains classified documents. Now it's entirely possible, you know, when Trump flew up to Bedminster, he took the shit with him. And when he came back to Mar-a-Lago, he took the shit back. So may, I mean, that's, that's one possibility just for those of you out there wondering like, well, why haven't they searched the other places? Well, for one to get a search warrant, um, you need some fairly clear cut evidence that there's a possibility um, that in this case, the classified documents would, would be, in, in a specific location. And, and without that, like no judges, first of all, in a normal search warrant, I mean, you'd have to have evidence of probable cause in a situation like this, where Trump is a president and in, former president rather. And given how you, regardless of how you may feel about, I don't know, law enforcement taking extra precautions to not violate Trump's rights. I would just say that like, you know, imagine a scenario where, 
you know, Biden's no longer president one day, a Republican president with a, you know, a conservative in, in charge of the Justice Department. Like you would want them to go through the same who's in a potential investigation of Biden that this current DOJ is going through with Trump. So just, just keep that in mind. I know it's, it's fucking, it fucking sucks that like the good guys have to play fair no matter what the dumb shit the bad guys are doing. But like, again, the reason we even have a democracy in the first place is because someone has to play by the rules and it, it sadly has to be us. We just, we just gotta cross our I's and dot our T's here. Or, and I say we, like I'm the fucking Department of Justice. I'm just some jackass with a podcast. All right. What we got next? What do we have next? <laughs> so, in a bit of a break from the investigation into Trump's illegal retention of classified documents and the obstruction of said investigation, we are going now turning to some of other Trump's crimes, other <laughs> Trump's crimes. and the related defendants. You know, suspects. it's tangentially related. To, to one of Trump's other crimes that he is currently being investigated for. If you weren't aware, Trump is being investigated for a shit ton of crimes. Shit Maybe you haven't listened to our podcast crimes. before, and this is breaking news to you. Well, we don't have like a scroll at the bottom of the podcast that says- Unless it. you started like 45 minutes into this episode. We've been talking about it nonstop. Uh, what we have up next is the knots. Well, the fact that we're not so proud of the DC police, uh, the DC Metropolitan Police Department Lieutenant Shane Lamond, age 47, was arrested on charges of lying about leaking confidential information to Enrique Tario, the leader of the extremist group Proud Boys and obstructing an investigation into the destruction of a Black Lives Matter banner. Uh, if you're not familiar with Enrique Tario, I just assume that you've never listened to this podcast or like don't keep up with insurrection-related events, but he has recently been found guilty of seditious conspiracy. Uh, another one bites the dust. Well, anyway... According to the indictment, Lamond allegedly warned Tario about an arrest, arrest warrant related to the banner's destruction. Tario himself, this, this took place in, in Washington, D.C. days before the attack on the U.S. Capitol on January 6th, this, this burning of the banner. Recently, Tario and three other Proud Boy leaders were convicted of seditious conspiracy charges. Lamont has been indicted on one count of obstruction of justice and three counts of making false statements. So Lamond who supervised the intelligence branch of the police department, uh, rather the police department's Homeland Security Bureau, was responsible for monitoring groups like the Proud Boys. His name repeatedly came up during Tario's trial, with evidence showing extensive communication between the two, including approximately 500 messages exchanged through various platforms. The indictment alleges that Lamond used the Telegram messaging platform to provide Tario with information about law enforcement activities. Lamont also communicated with Tario regarding the banner investigation and reportedly tried to convince another unit within the police department that the Proud Boys were not racist. Like, I don't understand why you would put your credibility on the line to defend these people, um, especially against the charges that they might be racist when they're clearly fucking racist. Like, fuck. That's like been part of their creed. Lamont's messages mentioned that Trump 
rather mentioned the Trump and American flags taken by Antifa and set on fire. I mean, Antifa is not a real thing. I don't know how many times we have to go through that. Um, suggesting that they should be classified as hate crimes. Well, there is no Antifa for one. And like, I, I actually just end cut. <laughs> There's yes. no Antifa. There's no such thing. Uh, following the Capitol attack, Lamond and Tario continued their communications. Tario expressed to Lamond that he believed that they could have prevented the attack. Like, I don't understand how he believes they could have prevented that. Um, unless they fucking arrested the Proud Boys in the midst of their attack on the Capitol. I don't know. Lamont in turn expressed his support for the Proud Boys and stated that he did not want to see their group's name or reputation tarnished. Jurors in Tario's trial heard testimony that Lamont frequently provided internal information about law enforcement operations uh, to Tario before the Capitol breach. Lamont is expected to p- appear in court and is currently on administrative leave. The uh, Metro DC Metro Police Department has stated that they will conduct an internal review once the federal case against Lamont is resolved. And I'm like, bitch, why wait? <laughs> like you've got uh, you've got one of your chiefs basically conspiring with a convicted seditious conspirator. And you're like, yeah, we're gonna hold off on investigating that. Like the fuck? Like he may not be the only one. Uh, like we we just recently discovered a a couple of FBI agents, like one who was actually involved with the activities on January sixth, like at the Capitol, and another who was trying to cover up for a fucking criminal defendant. I don't know. You guys should like investigate your own, maybe try and clean the house, get rid of these fuckers before this shit happens again. I mean, he's basically an informer for the Proud Boys. I I, I don't know. You might want to take that seriously. And apparently, he's such a fucking uh, dupe Tario would feed him information that wasn't actually very damning in order to get information about what DC Metro Police was doing uh, that was extremely valuable in in their plans to attack the Capitol on one six. So it's fucking bananas. It just so like um, this guy just dumb or like <clears throat> or is it well, he's just dumb as well as just. Or on purpose, or on purpose, dumb. Well, you know, look, uh, there's a lot of police officers all around this country who align with these white, right wing, white wing. <laughs> yes, actually, they align with these white wing groups, and they are very sympathetic to their causes. It's 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 totally common, sadly, that this is the case. It's not an unusual development that law enforcement officers would not only be fans of these groups, but also communicate with them regularly. I mean, we have, I think we've previously talked on the podcast about how these groups have been in contact with the secret service. Yep. Or the FBI. Yep. And you know, and there are members of these groups who were formerly law enforcement officers. So, I mean, it just, it's a level of incestuous uh, activity between former law enforcement officers, current law enforcement officers, and, and these right-wing militias that, I mean, I feel like should be more thoroughly investigated. But again, like you listen to this podcast, people, you see how fucking crazy this shit is we're talking about? I don't even know how much time law enforcement has 
to like investigate their own, but they should. I mean, just what do you want them to do? Well, I guess that concludes the news dump for this week. It's it's <laughs> that was plenty. Uh, Carol, do you have a nominee for the shithole of the week award? Because I forgot to come up with one. So tired. Um, oh, it's so bad. I, I am exhausted as well. Uh, if you can't tell, I, I'm slightly under the weather. And also this, well, the news is fucking exhausting as well. Uh, I, you know what? I'm going to go with Elon Musk. Um, he's attempting to put microchips in people's brains. Uh, he can't launch a rocket. He can't launch a presidential campaign. And his cars fucking explode. And I'm sure he wants to put chips in our brain for free speech. Yeah, I mean, he's always a shithole. He, like, had the chance at the beginning of the uh, Russian war on Ukraine to be a hero and chose to, like, because someone, like, said something not nice about him. He was like, I'm going to punish the world and I want to become. <laughs> Why does Putin get all the attention? You know, I what? have money. He's, he thinks he's wealthier than me. Like, I think I broke a part of the insurrection podcast rule that we were no longer allowing Elon on the shithole of the week award, but it's been a pretty, it's been a, I mean, he's trying to put chips in people's brains. He's trying to launch <laughs> Ron DeSantis and like he made Twitter a right wing shithole. Oh, oh man, yeah, he's been really racking up shithole points this week. So I guess I can make it a special exception for him. If Ty uh, were awake, she'd be totally into it. I mean, it's just ironic because one of the right wing conspiracy theories is that like we're attempting to put chips in people when we inject them with the vaccine, but like Elon's literally out here like, bro, I got a company for that. We li literally put chips in people's brains. But yeah. All right. By unanimous consent, even though Ty's asleep, I guess, you know, this is the one time in which it's okay to not have consent from a woman. I don't know. That didn't come out the way I meant it, but you know what I'm saying? I uh, hereby award Elon Musk with the shithole of the week award. Carol, do you have any closing thoughts this evening? Um, just shout out to my homie and the my homie and wherever people go when they die. Pour one out for Michael. Love you, man. Rest in peace. Oof. My, that's all I got. Well, that took a dark turn. Um, as for my closing thoughts, again, you know, look, the Republican primary is coming up here soon. Um, I would suggest you will just mon monitor that closely. Uh, the party is just going to continue to implode like they're going to be backstabbing each other with regularity now. Uh, especially now that Fox is going to have to decide whether or not it needs to pick a new lane. Well, they're also battling Tucker Carlson. Well, Tucker Carlson is also trying to team up with Elon Musk uh, to, to, you know, do his right wing shit on Twitter. While Elon Musk is trying to team up with Ron DeSantis, who's trying to beat Trump, <laughs> with Trump trying to murder everyone who's running against him in the primary. Uh, yeah, it's just a tangled web of lies, deception, betrayal and backstabbing. Um, let's not do that in the Democratic Party. We got our guy. Our guys, he's already in the White House. He's already proved he can win. Like he's, he's done a fantastic job. I mean, I guess like the only two major concerns I have about Joe are, and this is a reasonable concern. Like when people bring this up, they're not, 
Yeah, it's just I mean, age. I, we get it. Yeah. Yes, some people probably are bringing it up in bad faith, but for the most part, I mean, you know, it's a genuine concern uh, that, that his current age, he's in his 80s, and, you know, upon his the end of his second term, I think he would be, what, 86? Um, but he's also proven that he has the ability to do the job, uh, and he has a competent team around him as well. There's a very capable vice president in Kamala Harris, um, and, and should, well, you know what? I won't even mention the possibility. Um, the other concern I have for Joe is that he is just not vicious enough in attacking Republicans for the most part, except for as it rolled, as a DeSantis Ron roll out. That was funny. Yeah. Except for when Ron attempted the rollout of his presidential campaign, which, um, you know, probably flummoxed all of his supporters that it, it failed miserably. <laughs> uh, it, at least Biden's social media team was on it because they were like, hey, <laughs> come support our campaign. Our link works. <laughs> As Ron's Twitter spaces crashed, that was fucking incredible. I mean, I just need them to take that energy and turn it up to 10 all the way. And that would totally... uh eliminate one of my major concerns for Biden in his 2024 campaign. Um, but look, Joe Biden's a nice guy. Um, sometimes we just have to let him play good cop and we have to be the bad cop on his behalf. Um, so make sure you do what you need to do. Set these motherfuckers straight and make sure they pay the price for all of their bad behavior and ill intentions towards us in our country and make sure you are prepared for the long battle we have ahead of us in 2024. And that concludes this episode of Part of the Interaction.